We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Post up by Adams working inside. Whistle and one. Oh! And T. Ferg rocking the rim. What's up, guys? Welcome to the uncontested postgame podcast, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Beat the San Antonio Spurs on the road 109-103. to They've now won eight of their last nine games, are 13-4 since Thanksgiving, which is good for third in the NBA in win percentage. And also an interesting tidbit here from Thunder Digest. Um, Oklahoma City gets their 10th fourth quarter comeback win of the season. Nobody else has more than six, and the sixth being Minnesota. Uh, just to show you, you know, how well this team plays down the stretch, uh, the clutch time buckets from Chris Paul and others, it's it's becoming a team that's that's a lot of fun to watch. And I'm here today with Taylor. Taylor, how are you? What a night. The Thunder make another comeback in the clutch. The Cowboys finally fire Jason Garrett. That's the biggest news. <laughs> um, Taylor is currently using his old school headset from like back in the OG uncontested days. Uh, oh yeah, and Trump almost started World War World War Three. I mean, it's been a crazy night. What can I say? That is <laughs> that is three uh, big pieces of news right there. The whole the whole Trump thing is is kind of mind blowing. <laughs> it really is. Well, so it's the Taylor head headpiece or headset or whatever you want to call it because my is mic true. isn't working. It's annoying. Well, we'll get that figured out one of these days. True. So to to kind of kick it off here, let's let's go from the beginning. You know, it's really easy to. Uh, you know, talk about the end of the game and all the things that went well, but there obviously was some things early on um, that could, that could have been tweaked and were tweaked that we need to talk about. So, just a couple notes here right off the bat. Um, Basley has seven straight points for the Thunder uh, late in Love the first it. quarter. Uh, what were your thoughts on him tonight, and, and do you see him going in the right direction, or there's there still things that concern you? 
Oh no! I, well, I mean, obviously, there's there's like rookie concerns, but I don't even know if you call those concerns as much as just rookie growing pains. It's probably the better way to to explain that or to describe that. Um, I mean, he was four of six from the field tonight, one of two from three. He had three rebounds, which hit, and I mentioned this um on a couple of our previous post game podcasts, and then also I think our weekly podcast this past Sunday. But his rebounding and his blocks <laughs> are, are two things that have really stood out to me over the past couple of weeks, just how aggressive he is on both of those, or I shouldn't say both of those ends, but in both of those areas. I mean, it just seems like the game is slowing down for Baisley. Uh, I think you can see that with his blocks. He's anticipating blocks better. He's not fouling as much and is able to uh, to get blocks with his long arms. He's um, getting some deflections. Um, you know, he's, he's knocking down shots, looks more comfortable in the offense. He's making great, great passes. The game's just kind of finally slowing down for him. And it's really promising and really exciting to see what Baisley's capable of because I really do feel like he's just kind of, he's still just scratching the surface. But um, all of that to say, I do think he's playing more consistent. Yeah, and I think it's it's safe to say that, that all that stuff, you know, as a rookie is even more of an issue for him considering behind R.J. Barrett, I believe he's the second youngest player in the entire NBA right now. Yep, that's pretty crazy. <clears throat> so, you know, he's got a lot of room to grow. Um, the, the, the two things that kind of stick out to me with him, it seems like every time he gets the ball, he jab steps, he drives the lane, and then whether he needs to or not, it seems like he always does a Euro step. Yeah, either no that matter, or a spin move. Right, no, it's one of the two. No matter, he, <laughs> instead of just going straight to the cup with the you know a full head of steam, it seems like he always tries to do the SGA finesse thing, and it may be because he's got a wiry frame and you know doesn't have the bulk on him to just bully anybody. But at some point, I think that's something he's going to have to adjust and work on. But it is pretty promising to see him, um, you know, early in the first half or in the late first quarter, actually. That you know, seven straight points from a guy that's 19 year old is something that is very very promising. Yep. Um, oh, and like you said, especially when he hasn't played organized basketball for what, two years now yeah, before, yeah. before this season. No college ball at all. The the thing that, that kind of stuck out to me, and we can touch on this later, you know, how he ended up playing, but LaMarcus Aldridge, certified Thunder Killer, <laughs> he started off hot. You know, in the first quarter, uh, the Spurs and Thunder were tied up 27-27 uh, at the end of that first quarter, and Aldridge and DeRozan had 20 of those 27 points for the Spurs. It looks like Aldridge is about to go off and have another uh, crazy game like he always does against the Thunder. But you know, after that first quarter, uh, he, he gradually started to slow down to the point he finished with 22 on the game. DeRozan was actually the killer with 30. Uh, what were your thoughts on him starting out earlier? Were you getting nervous? Did you think that this could be the game that we finally slow him down? You know, what were your thoughts on that? Well, uh, shout out to our good friend and mutual friend, Peyton Lang, Peggers, who uh, has been tweeting us, this, or not tweeting us, goodness, we have a group text this season amongst the three of us, and I think he tweet, or, uh, texted us probably about an hour before the game. So what do you guys think? Like maybe 30 points on, you know, 18 of 20 shooting for DeMarcus Aldridge and it's something like that. And I, I laugh because like you said, Aldridge is known to absolutely destroy and just like, just, just destroy the thunder. <laughs> and it, it definitely was good to see him cool off. I thought that uh, Nerlens especially, I thought played really good defense on him. He's been playing really well recently. Obviously Steven, he had, he had a, a 
much better game than what he's kind of he, he he was playing really well there for a little bit and it seems like he kind of cooled off and i thought on both ends especially defensively i thought steven looked decent overall um then you have other guys stepping up you know like like basley um and even gallo that were, were playing some defense uh, and defending aldridge some and um overall i was really impressed with the the thunders um ability to to be able to get up in aldridge's face and try and stop him from you know killing us like he always does <laughs> absolutely and kind of the next thing i want to talk about here uh, Dennis Schroeder starts out the game 0 for 4. He doesn't get his he doesn't get his first points of the game until about seven minutes left in the second quarter. And little do we know, he kind of does the opposite of Aldridge, where Aldridge starts out hot and cools off. Schroeder kind of did the opposite tonight. Ends up with 19 points. I tweeted this out just a little bit ago. That's six straight games for Schroeder with 20 plus points. 15 straight games with 17 plus points and 20 straight games with 10 plus points. So this guy, you know, even with some struggles early, he he keeps his head on straight. He balls out, has a spark off the bench. I've been so impressed with him and I think that he's got to be a six man of the year candidate. Oh, I absolutely do. I, I mean, he's been fantastic, um, even on both ends of the floor. And, you know, I know this uh, is a post-game podcast for tonight against the Spurs, but it, the first thing that comes to my mind is his defense against Doncic down the stretch um, on New Year's Eve. I mean, just his defense and his his aggressiveness has just been incredible. And I did not expect this coming into the season. Like, Nick, I, I think we were all we were talking on the uncontested, like, oh, maybe we'll get lucky and true will have a pretty good first half of the season that we can trade him at the trade deadline. Now we're talking like, you know what, maybe we should hold on to shooter as long as we can and uh, make a little playoff push this year. Yeah. I think the narrative on him has, has really flipped. He yep. came into the season, you know, a lot of people are talking about him as, you know, give us a, a expiring contract that matches in a second round pick. And, you know, you can have Schroeder as a bench score or as a starting point guard for a team and I think that narrative now, you know, rather than being just a guy that the Thunder want to dump that have a bad contract, I think he's really turned himself around to the point where he's actually a valuable trade asset, even though he's making, I want to say it's $15.5 million over the next couple of years. you got to realize he's 26 years old. He's, right, yeah, he's, he's still young. He's a guy that, you know, on a rebuilding team that, that needs a point guard, even a scoring uh, threat off the bench, or even a contender that needs a scoring threat off the bench. I think he could actually be a guy that is going to be very, very interesting for teams across the league. And he's he's definitely flipped the narrative in my head. The, the way I look at him now versus the way I looked at him to start the season is very, very different. I mean, like remember last year around this time, we were like, yeah, Shooter's a really good player. You know, he's a perfect guy to come off the bench and give you a spark. But um, he's probably you know just always going to be a, a bench point guard. Like, and now. I legitimately think there's teams that probably will view him as a potential starting point guard. And I'm not saying that he'd be a, a starting point guard candidate or a starting shooting guard candidate for every team, but there's definitely some teams out there who are in need of a ball handler and a playmaker who I think would be starting shooter immediately right now. Yeah, first team that comes to mind when I think of that is like the Phoenix Suns. You yep. know, Rubio, Rubio is a Orlando. guy that, that gets hurt quite a bit. Yeah, Orlando could use a point guard. Um, but again, like I said, a lot of teams may view him as just a bench scoring guard, not even a point guard, just a guy that can come off like a, a Lou Will type player and play the one or the two. And like you said, his defense this year, uh, I'm not sure on you know the true defensive stats. I think those sometimes can be a, a misleading stat anyways when you're looking at those defensive stats. But just the eye test, his his aggressiveness and you know effort on the defensive end is, has not definitely not gone unnoticed. 
Ever see an untucked button-down? They look bad. Why? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button-down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, Untuck It shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. With more than 50-plus fit combinations, Untuck It shirts look great on tall, short, slim, and athletic guys of all ages. You can find your favorite Untuck It style uh, online or check it out in one of their 80 brick-and-mortar stores. Choose from styles like wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. With Untuck It shirts, your shirts will never look baggy, bulky, too long, or big ever again. And their website is so easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use the code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com and use promo code BLUE for 20% off. But speaking about defense, you know, a guy that is arguably the best defender on this team, um, a guy that, you know, consistently guards the best scoring wing on other teams. Terrence Ferguson, I don't know what's Man. going on with him offensively. <laughs> it's a <tough> topic. <laughs> he did have he did have a, two points tonight on one bucket. It broke his three game goose egg streak. Uh, he hadn't scored before tonight since the day after Christmas on that December 26th game. Um, through those three games where he didn't score, he only shot the ball 11 times. So it, I think it's more of a, you know, it's not that he's you know, going through a cold streak. He's just not shooting. You know, if, if you're a three-point shooter, and I don't care what level it's at, if you're middle school, high school, college, NBA, like if you're a three-point shooter, you can't – this was a thing with Abrinas for a couple years too. You can't just come yep. in and shoot – two threes and go, you know, you go for two and people want to criticize you. But if you're a three point shooter, you got to have that trigger ready. You got to shoot four or five threes a game. And that's just not what's happening with him right now. And I don't know if it's a confidence thing or what it is, but you know, when you've had, I don't have the stat in front of me. I, I know he's only got probably six points in the last five games and, and maybe 18, 19 points oh, in the last eight or nine. It's, it's really, really, really bad. How many goose eggs he's had in the last you know, eight to 10 games. And I'm almost to the point where I think, you know, starting Baisley has to be considered. I know a lot of people like Ferguson's defense to start games, but I mean, sometimes you just have to have a scoring spark to start the game. So you don't find yourself in a hole. And I think Diallo would be a great spark to start the game regardless of defense. So I don't know. See, That, that's a good point. And I, I agree with you on all points about Ferg, except that he hasn't been shooting. No, he hasn't been the past couple of games, <laughs> like the past two games or so. Uh, and again, I, I, just, I don't have these stats pull up in front of me, and I should have. Uh, but there was a game here not too long ago where he shot like seven or eight times from three and still was like one or two from the three, you know, one or two from the field, or maybe not even that. Um, he, he's shooting some. But he's he's not putting the ball on the floor and creating for others. He's just he's very much just like pass first, uh, try to swing the ball, look for the open man. He's not he's not looking to create, and that's like you said, Nick. Like this is where I agree with you. Like it, it's becoming very detrimental to the team, regardless of how good his defense is. 
um, because there's nights where his defense is kind of slacks as well, where like his offensive game, um, maybe his mindset, his mentality, or his confidence kind of bleeds into his defensive game as well, and it isn't quite as great. Now, it's not to say he hasn't had some incredible defensive plays or uh, incredible defensive games in general um, over the past couple of games even. Like I know on a, a couple of post game pods again, I think it was the Clippers game when Ferg and Dort had that incredible defensive play down the stretch. But I I still don't know if you can trust on a Dort or I know for sure you can't trust in a Dort or a even a Hami at this point. You know, Hami, I I love Hami more than anybody, but he's looked really rusty in his time coming back. Um, he, he's still not completely there yet. And there was a point before his injury this season where he might have been ready might have been ready to step into that role because his defense still looks solid. Um, he's just aggressive and he makes things happen, which Ferg doesn't do, <laughs> except on the defensive end. But I, I still don't know if you can rely on those guys, which leads me to a question, Nick. Um, so Kevin O'Connor tweets this out. This was after the New Year's Eve game against the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, he tweeted out a video of Chris Paul talking about Chris Paul. Chris Paul still got it, man. That was fun. Love the three-guard lineup to finish, blah, blah, blah. Then he says it'll be fascinating to see what they do, what the Thunder do prior to the deadline. Some league executives I recently spoke with believe that OKC is a stealth buyer. We'll see. And that's really interesting to me because you mentioned the Ferguson position. That's the small forward position for this team that they desperately need. Um, but if they were to get a a decent small forward, and I know like the guys at Down to Dunk the other day talked about like Robert Covington, for example, if Thunder were able to pull that off uh, without having to give up too much, like a, a capable small forward, that could really push this team to the next level. What are your thoughts on that? Or yeah. should they just stick with tanking and get rid of Gallo and just continue down the path? Well, you and I have talked about this quite a bit kind of offline, but you know, not only right now, but in the future, you know, this team obviously has a bright future, a lot of draft capital, uh, several young guys that you could see being starters for a long time. And none of those guys include a true wing player, right? Terrence Ferguson's probably realistically um, going to be a shooting guard the rest of his career. Um, Diallo, same way. He's undersized to play that three spot. So I think if the Thunder trade for a guy that is going to play that wing, that that three position for the Thunder. It's got to be a guy that's, you know, under 25, a guy that can be that wing for a long time because that's Perfect. Only, Michael Porter a, Jr. We're going to trade for Michael geez, Porter Jr. I and, wish. Uh, <laughs> he the, was incredible tonight. He, oh, my gosh. He was gosh. really, really good. But no, that's, so a, good. that's a position that, that the Thunder struggle with now, and they've got no one to fill that void in the future. So I, right. I definitely think point. it's got to be a young guy. If they're going to be a buyer, it's not just going to be – you know, some expiring guy that they can play for the rest of the season. It's going to be somebody that that they think, you know, maybe is disgruntled in their current situation or somebody that just needs a fresh start. They're going to grab a wing like that that they really think could be the, the wing going forward. I agree with you completely. And I, I know this is this is the kind of topic we'll dive into uh, more depth on on a, uh, a weekly group podcast. But I wanted to throw that out at you because uh, that Ferguson position right now, which is a small forward position for the Thunder. And like you said, Ferguson would be – maybe that's maybe that's a reason for some of his struggles, right? Maybe he should be playing a shooting guard yeah, position no, and playing definitely. against shooting guards defending him compared to longer oft, – oftentimes longer, stronger, small forwards defending him. Um, just kind of to bring this conversation full circle. But So anyways, I, yeah, I thought that was really interesting from Kevin. And um, yeah. Yeah, and I, I looked this up. Um, Terrence Ferguson over the last eight games has had – Four zero-point games, a, oh, no. a two-point game, 
two three-point games and a six-point game. So I guess that's actually the last seven games. Um, Goodness. So he's got 14 points since December 16th. That ain't great. That's not good. (laughs) And and a lot of those games, you know, he's got a – he shot – Three times he shot twice. He shot four times. He shot three times. He shot three times. He shot two times. Like the 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 volume isn't there, and I think that's something that he's got to figure out internally. And maybe Chris Paul works with him, kind of like Russell Westbrook did last year. But right, it is it is a very interesting topic. But but kind of to move on, I want to keep talking about tonight a little bit. Uh, Thunder find themselves down nine at halftime, fifty five to forty six. Uh, the Spurs had out-rebounded the Thunder 26-19. to 19. Oh, Nick, tell me more about this third quarter. You're getting <laughs> they, me excited. They had, they I'm had, ready. They had more assists than the Thunder at half, 12-7. to 7. They shot 50% from three versus the Thunder shooting 25%. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge and DeRozan had 31 combined. And then the third quarter comes around. Early, Shea hit 15 points, baby. Let's Shea go. Shea had 15 points. <laughs> the, the, they, they pulled within three early, and Shea had... Uh, a layup, another layup, two free throws from drawing a foul, another two free throws from drawing a foul, a three-pointer, and then another three-pointer. A dirty had, step back three. He had, he had 15 points in the first eight minutes of the Oh, my quarter. gosh. That's crazy. I mean, that's it was it was wild. a true wow. superstar takeover type game. And to be honest, that that may be one of the best eight-minute stretches I've seen from, from Shea, you know, in early in his time here with the Thunder. It was one of those like oh I agree completely because there's a He's lot just of getting guys more and more confident right there's there's guys out there that are young and promising like the, the example I was talking with someone the other day is Porzingis like there's no question that he is extremely talented he's seven foot three he can shoot the ball but he just doesn't seem like a guy that has that dog in him like the alpha male mentality he's kind of passive and maybe that's partly because Luca is kind of that alpha dog but. I think Shea's shown, you know, even with a vet like Chris Paul and another experienced guy in Schroeder playing the same position, I think he really feels that he is the alpha dog on this team, and it showed tonight. Or he's at least starting to feel that way um, because he did that in the third quarter. And some things that I noticed there, for one, I think it was after Shea had scored 12 straight, Schroeder gets the ball, and it's Schroeder. That man, and I, I, he's been incredible. I cannot say good enough things about Schroeder this season, about how he's performed this season. But uh, he, he's often very much, when he feels it or he feels like the team needs a spark, like this team did in the third quarter, he's going to be the one that shoots the ball. And that's been really good for this team this season. But when Shea was going on that run, Schroeder immediately, he touched the ball and looked, gave it right back to Shea. And I thought that was that was really telling to me. It's like this team, uh, they want whoever has a high hand, they're going to give it to. They aren't going to be selfish. You know, they're they're going to get that the ball to that player, which is great uh, for the team winning. But like for example, Shea can only have fifteen points stretches in the third quarter. He he didn't get a whole lot of more opportun- a whole lot more opportunity in the fourth quarter because Chris Paul is the one who had the high hand. Or in the second quarter, it was shooter, right? Right. And so, you know it. it it just gets me more and more excited, I think, for like a year from now when a lot of these guys probably are not going to be on the team anymore and the Thunder are not going to be in a similar position, this kind of weird limbo that they find themselves in of uh, a very competitive team, not quite at the rebuild stage, so we're just going to ride it and see how far we can get this season compared to next season where it's pretty, it'll be Shea, Baisley, you know, the young guys and whatever the Thunder get in return for some of these trades. And so 
I think we're going to see more and more of this from Shea, which gets me more and more excited uh, to the point where next year he may have 15 in the third quarter, but he might score another 17 in the fourth quarter also. And this season, I'm not really sure he can do that because of the personnel on this team. And that's not like me calling out Chris Paul or Shooter or anything. It's just the way the team's constructed, right? Right. And I I think that's a great point. And, And I actually wrote a piece on this earlier this week kind of talking about the balanced scoring attack that Thunder you have. Did. That was a really good piece, um, by the way. It's it's a much different team than Oklahoma City's ever had. They've always had one, two, three superstars. And, you know, kind of to, to highlight some of the things in there that, that stuck out to me, you know, the Thunder have four guys averaging 16.5 points per game. That's crazy. And it's the first wow. time in the team's history, and this may not be the case much longer with how Shea is playing, but... Um, earlier this week, at the time of me writing it, they didn't have a 20-plus point score on the roster, which is the first time in franchise history. And it's only the fourth team in franchise history with five players averaging double-digit points, just to show you how balanced that scoring attack is. And I think that's hard for teams to game plan. Like, you play against, you know, last year's team, Russell Westbrook, Paul George. You know down the stretch, late in the third, into the fourth quarter, like you know who's going to be taking those shots. You know who to game plan for. You can sag off some of these other guys because you know Russ isn't passing it in the last two minutes to, to an open shooter because he's taking that shot. I think with a team like this, when you've got five guys in you know, Chris Paul, uh, Gallinari, Schroeder, Shea, even Steven Adams, you've got five guys that could, that could potentially give you 20 points any given night. I think it's hard for teams to guard when you're running that death lineup down the stretch with all five of those 100%. guys, the three point guards, you don't know who to guard. You can't sag off anybody. You stay honest on everybody. And I think that really opens up, you know, the middle of the floor for Shea and Chris Paul and even Schroeder through their mid range game. Cause guys can't sag off shooters. And you got to stretch four and Gallinari in the corner. Exactly. That guy that would normally Gallo. clog yep. the paint when, when Russ is driving the ball, you know, that guy's not there anymore. I mean, just um, – and I hate to do this, but just imagine a guy like Gallo on those Chris Paul – or, goodness, those uh, Russell Westbrook and Paul George teams or the Russell Westbrook-Kem Durant teams. Like, it would have opened up everything for them. Now, that's obviously me looking in hindsight, and there's no way the Thunder could have gotten Gallo without, you know, giving up um, – it, it, without giving up a lot. But um, – I say all that because I think Gallo is a huge piece to that, which has unlocked so much for Shooter, Chris Paul, and SGA, particularly down the clutch or uh, in the clutch. And so I, I have a couple stats really quick about Shea that I wanted to throw out here, and then we'll move on to Feed another me. theme, uh, which I think you're probably going to want to jump into here pretty soon because I know we're going a little long. Shea is averaging over five free throw attempts per game. This is, this is per the uh, Fox Sports broadcast. Five free throw attempts per game this season, which is double what he averaged last season, which just shows how much aggressive, how much more confident he's being. We talked about his confidence and uh, him just driving to the rim at will and and trying to score and getting to the free throw line. That's something he's mentioned in plenty of his interviews. Uh, just the best scores get to the free throw line, he said, and he's starting to do that more, which is super promising. Yeah, and Another and- one is very straightforward. Sorry, another one's just super straightforward, but he's averaging 20-plus points in a seven, seven of the last eight games, which is – huge yeah and <laughs> it's and, pretty awesome and the thunder of one seven of the last eight games so that kind of right. kind of adds up exactly and and to your point of the, the free throws jacob actually uh, you know tweeted out some stuff and was talking to us in our slack about this about uh that that, that same thing shay finally getting to the line more you know maybe getting some more of those superstar calls uh, True. I'm, I'm still a bit hesitant you know he's over the past month, month and a half, he's got some of those calls, but it's still, 
a 50-50 split if you look at, you know, half the season and the other half the season. Um, yes, his his free throw attempts have gone up. That could definitely change. It's a smallish sample size. But if he can start getting those those foul calls, and I still think he's not getting the superstar continuation calls. There was a couple times tonight that that if, if James Harden would have been the one shooting that ball, it would have been continuation and one. He just doesn't get those yet. But I think you're starting to see, you know, as his as his game evolves and he starts getting to the rack more, and and maybe it's a maybe it's a thing where he's starting to figure out those little tips and tricks on on selling the foul and and doing a little bit of a head flop or something like that. That maybe he's watching film of some of the guys that that get a lot of foul calls and he's starting to learn from that. So it, it's going to be exactly. super interesting to see. And just gain that confidence, you know. Absolutely, and you know, to, to wrap things up, like I said. Thunder finished the game uh, a winner, 109-103 to the Spurs. To kind of break down the points, you know, talking about that balanced scoring attack, you've got Schroeder with 19. Oh, wait, wait, wait. wait. Oh, I had the perfect stat to kind of tie this all together. Yeah, go ahead. So to t- tie up the SG, uh, SGA that we've been just raving about here um, and then probably hitting on the last point that I think you're about to dive into. Um, and this is a guy that we, I feel like we always finish our posting podcast with because he's been so great in the clutch, and this is a great stat to kind of tie it all together. Zach Lowe on New Year's Day tweeted this out. I'm sure many of you guys have seen this, but Chris Paul and SGA are now a combined, or this was before tonight, but they were combined 53 of 90 in the last five minutes of games with the score uh, within five points, which is clutch time. Uh, Essentially, uh, Oklahoma City has the second most efficient offense so far. Boston is number one in such minutes, and that just continued tonight. I think Chris Paul had 10 points uh, in the fourth and just took over, Um, and that's another guy that just has been incredible for this team, both on and off the court. Yeah, I think it was out. Yeah, I think you're about to read off his line. Yeah, no, and it that's it's it's incredibly impressive, and that just goes back to the ten fourth quarter comebacks this team has has gone through and and won. And that's crazy. The, in, in clutch time, it's like these guys don't miss. Like this and is it, one it's of mid range shots. It's it not is. like they're just like draining like three balls and and like you know driving to the rim and getting fouled. Like they're they're hitting, especially Chris Paul is hitting those mid range shots. Like it's you know, 2009 instead of 2020. Like, it's insane. And it's weird because last year it was, we, like, everyone harped on, you got to get away from that mid-range. you got to lay up exactly. some threes. Mid-range is dead. And, and this team's one of the most efficient mid-range, you know, teams in the entire league, and it shows. And, and what I was getting at, you know, Schroeder, 19 points, Paul, 16, Gildas Alexander, 25, Adams, 14, Gallinari, 13. Like, there's a bunch of guys scoring in double digits every given night and it's oh, that was another set too and i don't think i screenshot that but i think it was like uh gosh i can't remember there's so many players that were 13 plus points tonight um which was like another record i, I saw it on the broadcast right before we started i can't remember now but yeah no you're you're exactly right there's doing, just so much contribution on this team i'm doing rough math in my head that's got to be like 87 points between those five guys that i mentioned were good for 20 on any given night that's that's crazy that's incredible and then you've got you got guys like nerlens and diallo and Baisley that give you just a little bit here and there and when it all adds up right it, it comes to a victory you've got a ton of solid nba players <laughs> you may not have the one like superstar quite yet uh you might have a couple stars and a declining star in cp3 but still obviously a star and a rising star in shea uh but still a star at this point you don't have any superstars per se right but you have a couple stars and you have some solid solid nba players and just some nba rotation players after that it's just it's a really deep 
team of, of great NBA players with a really good, I think Billy's done a great job. Um, you know, he, he won Western conference, uh, player or player of the month, <laughs> Billy throwing back the clock, um, coach of the month. And I, I think he's been doing a great job with this personnel. It's yeah, he's, he's been absolutely great. And I think a lot of us saw this coming. He was more fit yep. for a team like this rather than a, a superstar driven team. And I think, I think a lot of people, you know, both nationally and, you know, Thunder fans, you know, in the Oklahoma city, Tulsa area that, that I'm sure you talk to and, and people that yep. I see on Twitter and all this kind of stuff. Like this is a team that not a lot of people were excited about per se to start the season. And now you're seeing national guys like tweeting about this Thunder team and saying how fun they are to watch, like top five league pass, most interesting teams to watch. And it's a lot of fun. And it's, it's because this team shares the ball. There's no egos, whoever's night it is. Like you said, whoever has the hot hand, they get them the rock and it's, it's a lot of fun. Self, yeah, selfless basketball, which is a, uh, it, it's super fun, and it just low, low expectations, right? Yeah. Which I, we've we've talked a lot about on this podcast so far this season, but um, that just that makes it so much more fun. Absolutely. So to, to wrap things up, I want to get some uh, some record predictions here down the stretch. I'm not going to go through all these, but uh, kind of a fun fact: there is 17 uh, games remaining between now and the NBA trade deadline. Um, the the schedule here upcoming for them uh, is the Cavaliers on Saturday, the 76ers on Monday, and the Nets on Tuesday, all on the road. Uh, before finishing up on on a pretty tough note, you've got Russell Westbrook coming back to Oklahoma City on the ninth with the then, debut of the New Jerseys. Yes, that's going to be City a lot Jerseys. of fun. And then the Lakers Saturday. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. So so out of those next five games, Cavs, Sixers, Nets. Rockets, Lakers. Okay. Where do you have the Thunder oh, going? Oh boy, that's kind of tough. Um, okay, so I'm going through this on my phone. I'm gonna go one and zero against the Cavs. I think they're gonna win that on Saturday. They're hot. Uh, the Cavs have been playing a little better, but they're still a hot mess. <laughs> I think the Thunder are gonna win that one. So one and zero there. Sixers. I mean, they're. You never know with them. Um, that could be 2-0, but I'm going to go ahead and go 1-1. I'm going to say they're going to lose against the Sixers because it's in Philly. Then they're at uh, at Brooklyn. I think they'll win that one, so I'm going to go 2-1. and one. And then the Rockets at home. <sighs> I could like totally – all these are toss-ups, but I'm going to go ahead and go 2-2. Two and two. Um, I'm saying that they're going to lose that game against the Rockets. Well, it's probably going to happen is they'll be 2-2. Two two. They'll win the two that I said that they would lose. <laughs> And they'll lose the two that I set up that they would win. <laughs> so uh, I'll go two and two. Okay. Well, good. That's, I mean, they're one of the hottest teams in the NBA right now. Oh, wait. Sorry. You said the Lakers as well. Um, I feel like they'll win at least one more of those. I don't know if they're going to win against – well, the Lakers is at home um, two days later. So I'm going to say that they'll, they'll win the Lakers game. Okay. Um, which probably I, again, I, I just think they'll go three and two during that stretch. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I, I don't know if I could I could break it down which three, but right. I agree that that three and two is going to be the one. Um, they'll lose one of those Rockets and Lakers games. Yeah, it's probably the Lakers. They'll have to. But thirty six days to the trade deadline. Oh, I can't wait. Will they be a buyer? Will they be a seller? We'll find out. Uh, and we'll have a whole bunch of of trade stuff coming your guys' way. You know, as we get closer to the trade deadline on February seventh. Uh, but I appreciate everybody listening in. Thank you for listening to me and Taylor rant for over 30 minutes. Um, Hope you guys have a good rest of your week and thunder up. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. 
Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.